Joe Prano, you got some shows coming up. Where can the Dirtballs see you live? I've got Aspen Laugh Fest at the end of this month, the 20th, 21st, and 22nd. I'll be in Aspen, Colorado, where the beer flows like wine. Come see me at Aspen Laugh Fest if you're in uh, the Aspen area. I'll be doing uh, a bunch of shows, and I'll also be doing some Hunter S. Thompson tourism for everybody who knows um, about my love of Hunter Thompson. I'll be at uh, Boulder, Colorado that Sunday for two shows at the Boulder Comedy Show. And then Monday, Tuesday, hopefully some shows at uh, Denver Comedy Works, which I'm working out the details on now. So go to JoePrano.com and check out my calendar so you can come to see some shows. If you do not live in Colorado, uh, pre-order Valentine's Day is for Suckers, which is available tomorrow officially on all things where music and comedy stream, iTunes, Spotify, Doozer. It's also available now on Pandora, and it is available on XM, Sirius XM Satellite Radio on a bunch of their comedy channels. So go do that. Thank uh, you. And follow him on Twitter at Fix Your Life and on Instagram at Joe Prano. Thanks for all the new iTunes reviews. I shipped out a bunch this week. Remember, you have to leave your Twitter or Instagram handle so I know how to get your address. And I will continue to do that. So drop that review and get those two free koozies in the mail. To put uh, your to put your Miller lights in. That's right. To keep those Miller lights nice and cold. All right, Dirtballs, time to start the show. <laughs> Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host, Joey. No chill, pray no. Hello, Andy. Good morning, Joe. How are you? How are you? How are you, Joseph? I am... I'm day-to-day. In the words of Bill Belichick, we're all day-to-day. This is... I've progressed through the like sadness part of it like the being depressed that I'm hurt although that that does come and go yeah um i'm the the pain is a little bit been a little bit more manageable um less pain less pain during the day sleeping still horrific still having to take all of my medications to to sleep um but now it's settling into the portion of this injury where like right after I was hurt and before I had surgery, the idea of like, look, you ha- you haven't had surgery yet. You don't have images of it yet. We don't know what's going on with it yet. Don't do anything is like a very reasonable approach. And post-surgery in the first week post-surgery, stay on your ass. Don't do anything. You had fucking a ton of stitches in your leg and a bunch of metal that's just been added to it. Don't do anything. Another reasonable thing. Now I'm getting to the point where 
well, I've got eight to ten more, eight, nine more weeks on fucking crutches. It's like I can't I can't spend two months, two plus months just laying in bed. It's just like not a reasonable yeah. thing to do. But goddamn, if this thing doesn't make literally everything more difficult. I have to take I have to go full Costanza to go to the bathroom. Pants, everything comes off. This like my this stays in this, and then like full nude other leg. Yeah. So I can get some se- sort of separation. I think we can get some content out of this. Yeah. Uh, I've lost I've lost almost twenty pounds already since the accident because twenty pounds. I'm just not eating as much. Obviously, a lot of medication nosh makes you nauseous, and muscle weighs more than yeah. You know, muscle yeah. weighs like right in that crew. There's more. Not, obviously, not drinking basically at all. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of the official sponsor of the Dirty Sports podcast here and there. Um, but really not going out. Um, and and I was just saying before the show starts, the idea of just like being sitting down, you're watching a game and you're like, I could use a snack and getting up and go, you know, throwing a frozen burrito in the microwave or getting yourself some ice cream. It's just like the 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 trouble of getting up and Getting on crutches and going over there and then carrying things back with you, uh, it's just not worth it. So I'm losing weight. It just makes it makes life miserable. I just booked my flights to Aspen uh, for the Aspen Laugh Fest in a couple of weeks, and I'm like, "How's this gonna? How am I getting through the airport? Well, like, am I just am I just one of those guys? Like, hey, can I get a wheelchair over here? That's what you need. I'm serious. Yeah, we need to get you a wheelchair. Yeah, get get me a hover round. I think it'd be fun to push you around in a wheelchair personally. I was in a wheelchair in Tahoe. Um, Eddie and Ken Gar, there was a wheelchair in my room. And again, that was like when I was doing more of the uh, just laying around. But every night at showtime, get me up, get me in a wheelchair, push me down to the show. Um, Yeah, it's just everything. Every single thing is more difficult. Showering, going to the bathroom. It's just a nightmare. My, you know, my dad asked. My, my dad was telling my dad about you the other day. He asked me. He thought it was so funny. Walt asked if I had been wiping your ass. <laughs> he said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I took Joe to the doctors. He's getting his stitches removed. You know, he moves very slowly. He's still on crutches." My dad goes, "Are you wiping his ass too?" Well, I mean that that's we've drawn the line there. You're not wiping my ass. I am. I am able to wipe my own ass, which is yeah. nice. Um, I'm able to go to the bathroom, uh, on my own, which is good shower on my own, which is good. Um, stitches did come out the other day. You took me to the doctor stitches came out, uh, which is nice. Um, but now still like the doctor said late April, he said late April, he looked at the calendar, said April 20th, early May 1st, more likely. And then he said is when you'll be, and he did it. He goes walking. I was like, can we, can we just do walking or not walk? What is walking? And he's like, well, you know, it all depends on you. But like, he gave you the air quotes. Yeah, he goes, you might not be walking. You might be walking. And I'm like, Jesus, what does that mean? Yeah, that sucks. Well, I think this is a great time to do some content with Joe and Mobile. What do you think, Nick? The Immobile Joe project we're doing here? Yeah, I think so. You know, this is actually a Tug Coker idea that we had. Oh, this was. And we just really haven't fulfilled it just because of how 
back and forth everything has been with Joe. We're not sure of a situation, but I'm all for this. Maybe we get a GoPro, put on a wheelchair or something like that. Have you follow him around? Now, Nick has been bouncing between my place and your place, but Prano, I have to admit, he clearly loves my place. He loves... He loves, what did you call it last night? Pillow talk while I'm laying in bed? It's pillow talk. Just yeah. like. You guys go- just having like sleepaway camp. The lights are off. Lights are You're off. You know, we're about to go to sleep. But, you know, every once in a while, it's just like you just throw out like, a, hey, man, like I think this Tim Duncan thing we did is pretty good. You know what I think we have for Nick? I think we have a potential. Does Shabelli know? Does the interns know? Because he's in that wheelhouse, I've learned. I'm not as bad. He's so get this. I learned this this week. Never seen Back to the Future. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely Before ridiculous. Time. Before your time, that like that's ridiculous. You know, oh, no. te- technically. Thank you, Joe. I knew you'd say. I mean, this. is Star? Have you seen Star Wars? Oh yeah. Even more before your time. Yeah, but Star Wars came out. Uh, 99 i was born 96 so like i was able to go back and watch those back to the future i mean back how many back f- to the futures are we talking about here it came well, there, out 1985 there's, there's, there's three but you only need to watch two okay so when it's the, like the godfather when, 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 when did the second one come out then uh probably 88 yeah, 87 88 for the time I, but but i'm telling you nick it's amazing yeah i'm good it's it's fantastic i'm sure and i'm not disagreeing with you there but i mean we're good here. I'm Back to the Future. Wow. See, yeah. See, yeah. See, this. I think. I think you're wrong. This is my problem. I and Joe. I knew you'd agree with me. I'd say that's an '80s classic. For, that's not. No. That's that's actually disrespectful. Very disrespectful. That's that's like you know '80s classics are like you know Breakfast Club. Yeah. Breakfast Club's an '80s classic. Uh, Back to the Future. All time classic. Yeah. Absolutely. All time classic. I mean, puts. Michael, I mean, Michael J. Fox was obviously on the map before it makes Michael J. Fox a, a worldwide superstar. True. Uh, beginning of Robert Zemeckis being, you know, done how many other movies since then that are fantastic. That was his big break. I mean, not his big break, but his big, you know, obviously his career kind of signature, you know, sure. the, the thing that put him on the real map. Um, and and yeah, just like it's a it's a must watch. It's okay, a so, so have, you, have you seen The Godfather? I haven't seen The Godfather. So, okay, like we're so like, he, he, here's there's, what like, we're there's doing. things that are like here's the thing for me, and and I'll say this to you as a person who's in film ish. You know, maybe you're not making you're not making Citizen Kane over there. You're watching Andy Cook already cooked shrimp, um, but like you're you have to go back and and watch some of the classics. As as somebody who's you know uh, tried to be an actor, worked in production, I always would go to like the AFI top hundred movies and be like, "What haven't I seen? Like, I've got to watch." You know, I I went back and watched fucking you know, The Graduate. I went back and watched things that like you hear referenced all the time. Casablanca. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not opposed to watching. You got to watch though. Back to the Future and Back to the Future too. So here's what we're doing. Here's here. I'll make you a. I'll make a prediction. If you watch Back to the Future, I will bet anything that you demand to watch Back to the Future too. Is that so? Yeah. So Andy's got a, a list of movies right now. And I'm sure Andy's list is suspect. When he did this with Shabelli, he'd be like, how do you not know Bone Thugs? It's like, dude, you, you, you're, if your blind spot is Bone Thugs, you didn't really miss a whole lot. Yeah. You know, Andy's probably also like, you got to watch fucking, you know. No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with the movie situation. I even brought up The Godfather the other day. I don't think you did. 
Why did you bring up the You got to watch. I mean, The Godfather, like, if again, if go to, like, the greatest hundred movies in history or something like that. Like, don't you want to check those things off your list? Well, here, here was another one, too, where, again, I had decided we can play a game. Does Nick know? Back to the Future is not only a classic, but it's like a – it's there. You're not going to miss – like some people don't like long movies. Some people don't like mob movies. Some people don't like – Okay, you, I could see people going like, eh, Godfather wasn't for me. What, who doesn't like – like honestly, I don't know who's like Back to the Future is trash. Yeah. So here was another one. Um, Madonna Material Girl was playing. No clue. And I and I sp- – But again, that's music that's from like not his time. Like, Thank you, Joe. He, how do you seek that out? Dude – because Madonna is – you can't get any bigger than Madonna, agreed? Okay. As far as her career. Material Girl is one of her staple songs. I just thought, dude, how do you not know Madonna, Material Girl? Not knowing it – like, because what – I feel like with music, it's a little different. Like, then you've got to – he's got to be in a moment where he sits down and he goes like – goes to Spotify and is like, so what's this deal? what's the deal with Madonna? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's tons of artists that, I mean, obviously Madonna's pretty big, but there's tons of artists out there that everybody, myself, yourself, you know, everybody, it's like, man, I really don't, you know, I don't really appreciate blah, blah, blah enough. Like, I, you know, when you go back and you look at their catalog, holy shit. Like, I, that happened to me. That's happened to me with a million people over the years. Um, but, like, Movies, I feel like, are different. Okay, I feel like movies are different because they're always being, they're always referenced. Um, they're always in the thing, and and also movies less so than or music less so than movies. There's like Rotten Tomatoes and all these things where they just say like, here's the great. Like you're never gonna find like the fifty greatest songs of all. That's like a Rolling Stones list. You know what I mean? It's just fucking opinion. But like. Movies, there are movies where it's like, you have to have seen this. Yeah. You have to, especially if you're going to do what you're doing. Like, you have to watch, like, you know, certain films uh, to see where things came from. You oh, yeah, know? sure. Yeah, of course. To like, see where techniques came from. Yeah. To see where, you know, to pick up the difference. Like, just like all, I mean, I uh, to me, I think about a guy like you, it's like, I'd watch I'd, – I'd spend a day watch, like, five Soderbergh movies. I'd spend a day and watch, like, all of Paul Thomas Anderson. I'd spend a day and watch, like, you know, just the, the auteurs even, Scorsese's. You know? That's something you got to do. Well, look. We got work to do. We got work to do watching movies. We got work to do on this show. We got a lot of sports to talk. As much as we want to explain to Nick the importance of knowing movies and the history of movies – we got to talk NBA trades because they are happening at this very moment. Yes. Has anything happened since we started shaming Nick for not seeing Back to the Future? I have my ear to the wall. That is Adrian Wojnarowski's Twitter timeline right now. Nothing too new right now, but I will keep you updated if anything happens. More exciting than Jordan Bell to Memphis. Well, but but uh, I know that there is a team picture of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, and in that team picture, Andrew Wiggins is disappearing. Andrew Wiggins is going <laughs> to Golden State. By the way, by the way, hold Completely on. Completely over Nick's head. By the way, this is incredible because 
in in Back to the Future, you know the picture where he where of his course brother, you are literally dressed like his disappearing brother in that picture. <laughs> right now, you're dre- you're dressed like his disappearing brother. I am. He had his hat on. He had his hat on. He's got like a tie dye shirt. <laughs> I am dressed like Marty McFly's disappearing brother. Absolutely amazing. So the big deal that happened before we started the show was the Warriors have agreed to trade D'Angelo Russell to the T Wolves for Andrew Wiggins. A 2021 protected first-round pick, a 2022 second-round pick. Uh, and this will also send Jacob Evans and Omari Spellman to the T-Wolves. So that's a big trade today. Huge trade. Um, not quite the, the you know, people are calling it a blockbuster. I, I think um, blockbuster is when you're moving to, you know, when, when one team uh, has a great player and another team has a great player and they think that, you know, they're they're better fits. Like they're going, hey, we know you got a great guy, we got a great guy, but I think your great guy is going to fit better on our team, and our great guy is going to fit better on your team. This is more of you know, D'Angelo Russell is, is certainly the lead dog in this trade. Andrew Wiggins has not panned out the way everybody hoped Andrew Wiggins would pan out. Andrew Wiggins signed a max deal or close to a max deal a few years ago, um, not a super max. Uh, but um, Andrew Wiggins has not panned out, and now it's a situation where the Warriors are trying to get rid of a bunch of money. Um, so they're going to take Andrew Wiggins, whose contract I'm sure is up in the next couple of years, um, as opposed to the more recent and longer max deal that they got D'Angelo Russell on the sign-in trade from Brooklyn. And... Uh, the Warriors' strategy or game plan, for some reason, and I never really understood this, but I guess, you know, look, the you, you can't really argue with what the Warriors have done the last couple of years. I never really understood the, we're signing D'Angelo Russell to a max sign-and-trade deal, and we're definitely going to deal him. That seemed... It seemed like, or just don't sign him. Yeah. You know what I well, mean? But I guess, But I guess the reason that you can do it that you, that you do it in the first place is obviously they get, um, you know, Wiggins back, which is to make the deal work financially, but they are getting draft picks. Now, the first is protected, so you hate to see that if you're the Warriors fans, but they weren't going to give up a non-protected. Okay, so if you look at Andrew Wiggins just by the numbers, and you're saying he doesn't pan out, does he just have empty stats? Yeah, because if you look at him, if you look at him, every single person on the Timberwolves has empty stats, including Carl Anthony Towns, because you're not winning fucking games at all. But that's what's so wild, because if if you just looked at his numbers, he's got good overall career numbers. Decent, yeah, yeah. But he is he's a bit of an empty scorer. Um, he's not like he's just not a player that like the Warriors aren't stoked that they have Andrew Wiggins now. They're like, yeah, we gotta. We got a backcourt mate for Steph when he comes back, you know? Yeah. This is not their thinking. Um, no one is I, I guess my question is how are they fifteen and thirty five? Because no one's really good on that team. Carl Anthony Towns is their only legit player that anybody and and this is so the problem with the Minnesota Timberwolves and what they're doing, I guess in a way I agree with it, is they have just not put to a team together in having fantastic draft picks basically forever going back to 
you know, fucking Kevin Garnett. It just seems like the Minnesota Timberwolves are always drafting in the top in the lottery. Yeah. They're they've never literally never put together a a couple of good draft picks in a row where suddenly because in the NBA, if you get two three marquee guys in in a couple of draft class, I mean, look at the Warriors. Look at the Warriors. The Warriors went from not winning anything to they're like, well, we got Clay, we got Steph, we got Draymond, boom, we're fucking, you know, we have a mini dynasty. Yeah. Obviously adding Kevin Durant helped, but don't forget that they won, uh, you know, a championship and they won 72 games, 73 games without Kevin Durant. And they they, they build it all through the draft. The, the Timberwolves have never had multiple drafts in a row. And when you're a team like the Timberwolves, if you're not going to do that, then you 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 did hit ish on Carl Anthony. I mean, you you can't say it's a bad draft. Carl Anthony Towns is a legit NBA player and a and a star, uh, certainly a star from Minnesota. Um, if you're not going to fucking hit on multiple drafts, then you got to find somebody to pair him with because the NBA now is get a couple of stars, surround them with solid role players, take a shot. Um, is Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell enough to compete at any time soon in the NBA? No, no, it's not. But I guess if you believe that those two are the beginning, uh, then you know you add uh, somebody else and you take your chances. Well, the big trade yesterday was the Heat, right? So the Heat have uh, they trade Justice Winslow, Deion Waiters, and James Johnson to the Grizzlies for Andre Iguodala, Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder. And also the Heat are trying to make a deal with Oklahoma City for uh, your boy Gallinari. I tweeted it yesterday. Inject a Gallinari Miami Vice jersey into directly into my veins. I mean, I hate the Heat, you know. Uh, the Knicks and the Heat have tons of bad blood over the years. Obviously, Pat Riley um, leaving us and, and then going there and putting together a team that wanted to fight us all the time, uh, it hurt. And I've always been a Pat Riley stan, and I I believe in Pat Riley. Hard for me to ever root for the Heat, but God damn it if I won't buy that Gallinari jersey. Well, it looks like he's trying to go all in. Well, I think um, what Riley is thinking with this Heat team, just like we said the other day, is... Uh, the East still very questionable. Sure. Um, the Sixers ha- are in a tailspin, but if you look, and I know that the Bucks are playing fantastic. They have the reigning MVP. They probably have this year's MVP in uh, the Greek Freak. But they didn't go to the finals last year, and the team that did go to the finals out of the East won because, uh, amongst other things, uh, the Warriors got hurt. Um, and that's sort of where you're at now. I think if this Heat team were in the West, I don't think uh, Pat Riley's making these moves. But his feeling is, if I can put together a, a very Toronto Raptors-like roster, where no one, I mean, obviously Kawhi was by far their standout player, but a, a collection of very above-average you know, good to solid players, like much like the uh, the Clippers have had the last few years before they added Kawhi and Paul George. 
I can be competitive in the East. And if I get through whatever, and then if God knows what happens, if we can some or somebody can take out, if Boston can take out Milwaukee, I like our, you know, Pat Riley's going, I like our chances against any of these teams. Uh, if, if I put together this solid roster and then who knows again, make it's, it's like making the Super Bowl, making the NBA finals in itself is sort of an accomplishment. And who knows, let's say you make the NBA finals and in game seven of the Western conference finals, LeBron James tears a ACL. Oh my God. I can't believe I even said that. Please don't let LeBron James get hurt. But, uh, you, you have a shot, you know what I mean? And I think that he's just, I think. Pat Riley, more than any um, executive in the NBA, just refuses to bottom out. He refuses to do like the, I'm not going to put together a competitive team because I think he knows. I think Pat Riley is smart enough to look around the league and go, there's always these guys that are sort of floating in the ether that are good enough where if I add them to my team, we become significantly better. Do I love Andre Iguodala on the Heat? No. Do I love them extending Andre Iguodala? Absolutely not. But I think he's just trying. I, I'll say this. Pat Riley's playing like 4D chess, and a lot of other executives are playing checkers. So I don't know what else Pat Riley's got in the works, but I believe in Pat Riley. Yeah. Him and Jerry West are two guys. It's like sometimes their moves, you fucking question them, and then in the end they've – Pretty much always been right. Also, inject that Gallinari jersey into my veins. <laughs> Give me Gallinari on the fucking heat. Why is everyone freaking out over this Andre Iguodala deal? Like it's some blockbuster trade. Like the guy isn't a superstar. He hasn't really won ever. He tripped and fell into a finals MVP pretty much. Like, well, yeah. And then you extend him when he's already H- 36 on. years I, old? I'm going to disagree. The idea that he hasn't won ever. Well, He's got a few rings, and he was a key part. Yeah, don't act like Andre Iguodala was getting you to the NBA Finals. You had Clay, you had well, Curry. I, I'll say but, this. But, Nick, it's team chemistry. He, he, he was an important cog in that team. Like, like people don't realize you want to look at the stars, right? And, and Joe just talked about it as far as— It's five years ago, mind you. No, but, no, but, but how you said it, if you look at all these teams and all these teams that have had runs, dude, okay, go back, go back to these Bulls teams. They're, they're important players on those teams that help make that shit go. The Tony Kukoc's, the Ron Harper's. Like, those guys are important players. Sure. I'm just, gonna, just like Iguodala. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, in a way, I'm going to agree with both of you guys. One th- nothing's more offensive than Andre Iguodala's finals MVP. It's, the most, it's maybe the most offensive award that's ever been given out. Agreed. Uh, uh, LeBron James was the finals MVP. I don't care. If they fucking got swept in that finals, the LeBron James was that finals MVP. Um, at the same time, if you look at what the Warriors were able to do and uh, how good they were with Iguodala and how bad they were at times without Iguodala, he was definitely a major part of that team. Now, does that mean that there aren't other guys of Andre Iguodala's ilk that could have played the same role on Golden State? Sure. There are f- certainly other guys that could have been the Andre Iguodala. But he was the Andre Iguodala of those teams, and he was very important. Um, obviously, they had guys who were 
you know, significantly more important. Steph, Clay, KD, Draymond. But he was the sixth man on those teams, but he was probably the fifth most important guy, especially on the KD teams, if not the fourth most important guy, you know, before KD gets there. Well, And also, I, I think, you know, obviously I like to look at numbers and stats and all that's great, but there are intangibles. Yeah. And somebody like an Iguodala, you have an NBA veteran, a good locker room presence, and he who's been there before. Yeah. That's what he's going to bring to South Beach. He's going to take that to the heat. Dude, those are a lot of young guys. Those are playoff inexperienced guys. And you know, it's not like Jimmy Butler's gone far in the playoffs, you know, or some of their other guys. He's going to bring that presence and just that mentality, which I, I think two years, what, 30 million? Yeah. And with a, with a team option. You know, it's a deal. Yeah. I don't love them extending him, and, and I don't know why they felt like they had to do it unless that was part of the negotiation. I think also that this deal is making headlines because of the way it went down. Andre Iguodala getting traded to Memphis, never reporting to Memphis. Uh, the back and forth between guys, well, you know, in in locker room uh, interviews, the the John Morant tweet, the Steph Curry Instagram, the follow up Instagram by you know John Morant, the whole thing like Memphis. Uh, the sad part about this is Memphis and Miami do not get to play again this year, um, so we, we'll miss that. You know, yeah, we'll miss that beef. Um, Andre Iguodala going to a contender was always the, the you know the thing, and then he ends up in Miami. Is Miami a contender? I don't believe so. But also, again, I do believe Pat Pat Riley knows what he's doing, so he, I think he has a longish term plan yeah. that involves doing something and obviously extending Andre Iguodala was part of that. I love uh, adding Gallinari to that team. Um, I think Justice Winslow, I don't want to say Justice Winslow has been a bust, but also he certainly hasn't played up to his draft pick uh, spot. And um, again, I think, I think Pat Riley goes, Hey, if we're, if we're solid and deep, we can beat a lot of, you know, we have we we're, we have a puncher shot against yeah. these no. teams in the East, the the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks, the, you know, a puncher shot, and and I and I think Pat Riley also believes in his coach, uh, maybe more than I believe in his coach, but I think he believes in Spolstra, and I think he believes in their culture, and I think he believes that they could get it done. Well, and another reason it made such headlines: there hasn't been many big trades, right? I mean, if you look at the NBA trade de- trade deadline, which ends in about seventy minutes. The major trades were the Iguodala one, which was yesterday, and now the Wiggins, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, and and, and, if and, I, and obviously the Capella, Covington, the the super, you know, that that's yeah, I, the, forgot, I forgot that one. The four team deal, Capella to uh, uh, that, you have you have is this a trade running trade blog? Do can you can you give us all the details of that one? Because I think that one's an interesting one. Um, certainly, yeah. So this is this is the running trade blog. The Hawks. They waived uh, Nene, and then they did a four-team, twelve-player deal, which hit, which made them acquire the biggest deal in players since Patrick Ewing was traded from the Knicks. Clint Capella. Yeah, that's the main part of that trade. Is and, that, and Covington. Yes. So that's that's how that goes down. 
And uh, so just give me, give, I mean, give, just give us the tw- come on, give us the, it's the tw- it's the biggest deal since fucking Patrick Ewing. Give us the players, give us the deal, Andy. Hold on a second, they're they're not good at describing this as well. The only thing they're mentioning is Clint Capella in this blog for some reason. If you could pull that up, Nick, I don't know why they're not. I'm on two different websites. I'm on ESPN and Sports Illustrated. Neither are going into detail for some reason about that trade. I mean, it's a four-teamer. There's, I mean, the, the, the basically the the thing, the the headline of the deal is Capella off the Rockets, Covington onto the Rockets, the Rockets going full small, full small, full small. To the point where they like Tyson Chandler is the only guy on the Rockets. Okay, okay. So here's the deal: the T Wolves get two first round picks, including Houston's 2020 pick, which they moved on to the Denver Nuggets. Sorry, start over. My my apologies. Start over. This shit is all confusing. Okay, so it is the most expansive trade in 20 years. The T-Wolves will acquire two first-round picks, including the Rockets' 2020 pick, which then they moved on to the Nuggets right. for guard Malik Beasley and Juan Hernan Gomez. Yep. Okay. The Timberwolves keep the best available first-round pick in the trade deadline, which is Atlanta's 2020 first-round pick via the Brooklyn Nets. Denver gets Houston's 2020 first-round pick. Among the other deals, I mean, I, I don't really understand. That's a lot going on there. Yeah, I mean, swapping draft picks and positions and all that. That's, you know, it is. And, and obviously the draft's crapshoot. Do you want to hear all the details? I just want I just want the players who moved on the teams. Minnesota also acquired Atlanta's Evan Turner yeah. and Denver's Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. Denver acquires uh, T-Wolves' Shabazz Napier, forward uh, Keita Bates-Diop, forward dude i mean this is all who gives a fuck about these guys i mean i mean i'm not reading th- you guys read it i mean, I mean look at the, uh, this is a fucking novel i'm over this I'm, o- I'm over this trade covington to houston capella to atlanta that's all we had to say yeah why, why did you force me to do that did you just wanted to hear me read yeah, guys' I, names? I, 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 and I, in fact, I think one of the highlights of the shows so far has been that you ref, you can't get through reading an NBA trade without losing your goddamn mind. I'm not <laughs> saying you have anger issues, but Jesus Christ. All you had to say is fucking some draft picks. Uh, look, a lot of people shitting on the Rockets for moving Capella, uh, that he's their only big, you know, uh, of substance. And who's going to guard AD? Who's going to guard Jokic? Who's going to guard this? All these questions. But again, uh, this goes back to, you know, the maybe the most disrespected coach in the history of the NBA, Mike D'Antoni, is... The most disrespected coach but in the history. It, it, it's, it's true because, again, you know, they're all... Basically, Mike D'Antoni teams, always competitive, always, you know, the, again, go, going to the pantry, coming out with fucking, you know, uh, chocolate chips and, you know, Cool Ranch Doritos 
and some fucking, you know, hot, you know, Capri Sun packets. You sound like what Nick eats and every ha- yeah, night. Yeah, and having to make fucking dinner out of it. Uh, if you look at it, it's like it's sort of offensive to it, it. It's a testament to what Mike D'Antoni does with teams and the records that he's able to to get them to that people are going, well, who's going to? It's like they were never going to win. They're never going to win. The roster they have, you're counting on multiple teams. You know, we, we talked about the the heat and like, oh, one injury, you never know what could happen. You're talking about being in the West with m- basically multiple teams having to lose multiple guys for the Rockets to have the best roster. So instead, what they're doing is they're going, we are all in on Mike D'Antoni novelty ball. Let's like... Let's shoot 53s a game. It's our only chance of winning. Let's shoot 50 fucking threes a game. Because who's going to guard AD? Nobody. That's the answer. Oh, we don't have Clint Capella to guard AD? Clint Capella wasn't guarding AD in the first place. So now it's AD. You want two free points every time down the court? Great. We're going to shoot a three every fucking time. They have to go. They have to literally embrace going full D'Antoni ball, going, like, because at least that has this crazy Hail Mary chance of being completed, as before, they didn't have a chance. And and it's, again, a testament to what Mike D'Antoni, the only reason anybody thinks, like, that they're in the mix is because of Mike D'Antoni. And so now they're like, fuck it. What are we going to do here? Like, let's do it. Four seconds or less ball. Like, let's just ISO to death. Let's shoot all the threes. Let's put P.J. Tucker at center. Like, fucking, okay. I'm all for it because, again, it's uh, if if you have a 0% chance of winning, just because on paper you look like, oh, well, Capella's better. Like, yeah, Capella is a good player. Capella is a guy that you'd want on a lot of teams. But not if you're fucking going against AD in a second round NBA play. Like, what is Clint Capella going to do? So, and it hasn't worked the last couple years. And it hasn't worked because they just don't have the fucking talent. And yet Mike D'Antoni makes them competitive. So it's like, well, how do we get a puncher shot? It's like, let's go all in on this. Let's go Harden. Let's go Westbrook. Let's go Tucker. Let's let's just, literally, let's bomb threes and fucking take our chances. It's not going to work. I can tell you that much. But it could work. So you're saying there's a chance. It, it's ex- That's exactly the thing. It's like before you didn't really have a chance unless people got injured. This is some freak novelty Mike D'Antoni. But they're like, fuck it. Let's go. I, I sent you um, when I was driving up to Tahoe pre-injury. I listened to that Steve Kerr or sorry, Steve Nash on Simmons thing. And uh, talking about Mike D'Antoni, and I told you how great it was. And anybody, uh, Simmons, Bill Simmons has this book of basketball podcast, Book of Basketball 2.0. He's sort of updating his book of basketball via podcast. He did an interview with Steve Nash, and it's fantastic. If you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it. And one of the things that Steve Nash keeps going back to is that they were ahead of the t- of their time in terms of how many threes they were shooting, how quick they were running, and um, that probably the reason they didn't win 
is they didn't embrace it enough. They didn't get crazy enough. They're like, what we're doing is kind of crazy. And this is our crazy offense. And it, Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni seem to agree in hindsight that where the NBA, had they gone in those years where the NBA has gone today because of those teams, where now teams are shooting 33s, had that team who basically started this embraced it sooner and gone, we're going to shoot 33s, they probably would have won. And now the rest of the league has figured out, yeah, that is the way. And I think he's now kind of – the hindsight of not not going crazy with those teams is his big regret and Steve Nash's big regret. So I think his thing is, fuck it. Let's go crazy with this. Let's shoot 53s. Let's – instead of – instead we've, got, we've gotten the entire NBA to the point where we're shooting 33s. Let's let's – be the team that takes it to the next level. Let's shoot 50 fucking threes a game. Is it going to work? Unlikely. But fuck it. It's worth a shot. So you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. Nick, what- I mean, Mike D'Antoni is essentially climbing a clock tower, sliding down. Try- he's, got, he's, <laughs> he's got James Harden up here. He's got Russell Westbrook here. He's trying to, to, to put those two together. Just as Robert Covington drives the DeLorean into the wire. That's what he, he's got this. He's a mad scientist. He's Doc Brown. And he's trying to put three things. Yeah, who knows? If it all happens right at 88 miles an hour, who knows? Maybe they could fucking do something. Dude, Nick has no idea what's happening. No idea what we're talking about, too. <laughs> Back to the future. You should watch it. Did I tell you, I, tell you, I, saw, uh, I saw Christopher Lloyd at LAX. Yeah. He, he looked like Doc Brown. In Back to the Future. Yeah. He just got off a flight. He looked confused. He was, You know how Doc Brown was always confused? Yeah. He's walking around with that bewildered look on his face. Well, Christopher Lloyd and his character in that movie are, like, a- as a person, is sort of back to the future. If you look at Christopher Lloyd in any movie right up to Back to the Future, and even around it, he looks kind of young and kind of whatever. In that movie, they take him... They turn him into this old, white-haired, crazy old man. And now, in some sort of back to the, he in his he becomes Doc Brown in his own future. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. When I saw him at the airport, I thought, you are Doc Brown. Yeah. You're Christopher Lloyd, who has now morphed into Doc Brown. Yeah. Here's what we should do. Here's what I'm going to recommend. This is what we'll do. We'll have a dirty sports... Family movie night. Well, you know what? There, the the here's what we should do. Here's what we should do. Uh, there's in L. A. There's a couple like outdoor rooftop movie nights. Okay. Um, I'm certain there there there's like a half dozen movies that they always play. Top Gun, Fight Club. I'm certain Back to the Future. I think we need we need to take Nick to see Back to the Future in like a cinema situation. We can do that. The only way we're doing that is if. I'm allowed to bring some fresh Miller Lite, Joe Prano. Andy, do you think you're ever going to get an argument from me about bringing the official sponsor of the Dirty Sports Podcast anywhere? No. That's why I was suggesting a nice family movie night, whether it's Back to the Future or any other movie. We'll be here in my apartment. 
crack open some Miller Lights. Bring people together. That's what it's all about, right? Miller Light and great art, bringing people together. Hanging out in real life, not being stuck on your phones. Absolutely. 2020, that's what we're doing. We're getting together, cracking a few Miller Lights, enjoying the movie, and I look forward to that. I like the Dirty Sports Family Meals, which always have Miller Lite. We'll do Dirty Sports Family Movies. Yeah, movie night. Don't forget, Dirtballs, when there's a great-tasting 96-calorie Miller Lite, friends should always come before followers. Here's to the original light beer. Here's to the original social media. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. That is Miller Lite, the official beer sponsor of the Dirty Sports Podcast. Andy, every time you say it, it makes me happy. Every time you say it, it makes me happy. I have, you know what's really made me happy? All the love and support we've received from the Dirt Balls as we've added Miller Lite is the official beer sponsor of you the know, show. Miller Lite likes us to talk about family over followers. And and it's great because in the Dirty Sports, the follow, unlike any other podcast, the followers are our family. That's why they call them Dirt Ball fam. And, and so in a way, when Dirt Balls tag us on social media and send us things saying, I'm having a cold Miller Lite tonight in honor of you guys. In a way, a little part of me is drinking that Miller Lite with each of you. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So I think we've covered most of the big NBA trades. Nick will keep us in the loop. If anything pops up, we will get to that. Uh, we have we have Major League Baseball trades. We have a quick NFL story. And then I'd love to get to their ball calls. It's yeah. been a minute. Yeah. Nick and I listened to the calls last night together. That was his first experience. He had a big grin on his face hearing what happens when I screen the calls. But before we get to the dirtball calls, I'd love to talk some big Major League Baseball trades, Prano. Yeah, let's do I mean, huge, huge. Unlike the NBA, these were massive deals. So the Red Sox and Dodgers have made a major trade. Mookie Betts and David Price are going to Chavez Ravine out here in L.A. Yep. The Doyers. Uh, again, you know, we've talked uh, in, in the same way. There's a lot of moving parts uh, on this trade. Um, but, and even, you know, you can talk about David Price, um, who's a big name, who's had a great career, who's cost a lot of money. Um, the the Angels are somehow involved, or that was a secondary deal. Jock Peterson's leaving, guys going, Maeda to the Twins, blah, 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 blah. The real headline here is the Red Sox have traded Mookie Betts. Correct. Lunacy. Idiocy. Embarrassing. Uh, a joke. A disaster. I don't care what way the Red Sox try to spin this. I don't. You can't. You, you're. You can't spin this and say, well, we spent this money on sale and we spent this money on Evaldi and we did all this stuff. And so now, because Mookie Betts isn't uh, agreeing to the terms that we want to meet, we have to move him. There, are, Baseball is, there are almost no sure things in baseball. Um, Mookie Betts, I'm sure, was not a sure thing in the draft. Uh, th th very rarely can you look at a guy and say, we know what we're going to get from him. And this will happen. Mookie Betts is a top three to five player in the game of baseball. He's young. 
He's a great offensive player. He's a great defensive player. Well, they he, didn't want to pay him. They didn't want to pay him, but they didn't want to pay him because they paid other people. And it's like, well, fuck you. That's not how it works. Also, there's no salary cap in baseball. You're Boston. You you're you're you you sell out Fenway all the time. Tickets are hella expensive. It's not like the Red Sox aren't making money. The idea that they want to get under some fucking luxury tax is embarrassing. It's embarrassing, and like moving Mookie Betts, it, he's look. Is he a generational talent? I don't know, but he's certainly young. He was an MVP. There's no sign of him slowing down. You won a World Series fucking two years ago with him. You're you're making money hand over fist. The idea that you're trading him is embarrassing. It's an embarrassing move as a baseball franchise. It's embarrassing. And to trade him to the Dodgers is doubly embarrassing because what the Dodgers are saying is like, we don't give a fuck. We'll pay. We're in Los Angeles. Why would we not pay him? We'll pay all these motherfuckers. Who... Who else has a superstar that they don't want to pay? We'll fucking pay them. And the idea of of the Dodgers being that team and the Boston Red Sox not being that team, it's a joke. And look, I hate the Dodgers and I hate the fucking Red Sox. I don't give a fuck. I have no, I do not give a shit that this is going to hurt the Red Sox. I'm talking just from a, a, a baseball standpoint. Why are you even running a fucking baseball franchise if you're going to get a young MVP and you're going to trade him? Well, I saw a report that this is kind of less about Mookie Betts and kind of getting rid of that awful David Price contract. Like, you can't really get rid of that unless you package him up with something like a Mookie Okay. Betts. Well, that's your fault for signing. Like, it's it's you signed David Price to this terrible contract. Yeah. You, you're the one that's handing out fucking tons of money. To, to guys, to Nathan Avaldi, to Sale, to David Price, to all these guys. Like, you're the ones that did that. Like, so now, you, now the guy who is performing and the guy who does deserve the money doesn't get it because you fucked up with somewhere else. Get creative. Uh, you there has to be young talent in your farm system that you can give away to get somebody to take David Price. The idea that you're going to take a young guy who's already proven he can do it on the major league level and be a cornerstone of a World Series team, like, it, it, you know, it reminds me of the Ricky Henderson back in the day. Ricky Henderson on the A's, the, the Yankees were ecstatic to fucking take him. And then, of course, the A's over the years do everything they can do to get fucking Ricky Henderson back. It's like you have a great young, like, figure it out. And, and here's the thing. It doesn't take a lot to figure it out because there's no fucking salary cap in baseball. Well, so, it's good news for the Dodgers fans. It's fantastic news for the Dodgers fans. Of course it is. Now, the Dodgers doing uh, what the Dodgers have done the last few years and just going like, pitching doesn't fucking matter. Like, <laughs> our, our thing is now is like washed lefties is their pitching rotation. But at the same time, the Dodgers... The Dodgers seem to have embraced there's no fucking salary cap in baseball, so they'll probably go get some fucking superstar pitcher at the deadline because they don't give a shit. Can't wait for that. Parking at Dodgers game is going to go from $30 to $60. Yeah, now that they got I, there's no bets. way it was as low as $30 last year. I think it was $30. Okay. Yeah. 
Look, the Dodgers lineup is great. Who the fuck's pitching for the Dodgers? I don't know. Um, but there, there's it, no doubt about it. The Dodgers lineup is fucking. St- the idea that you have an MVP in Bellinger, an MVP in Mookie Betts, along with you know all the all the other guys in your lineup, it's 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 ridiculous. It's pretty stacked. And and they have embraced. Give a, you don't want to pay him. Give him to us. We will figure it out. Yeah, basically, uh, they they've had no since that new ownership group bought the Dodgers, they've had no problem just spending. Now, do I think this makes the Dodgers a World Series lock? Absolutely not, because you can have the fucking greatest lineup of all time unless you've got pitching. It really isn't going to help you. Um, this, you know, I, I tweeted the other day, um, I would say that the Dodgers are locked to win the World Series, but I was told that when the Yankees signed uh, Carlos Stanton that they were a lock for the next 10, so L.A. will have to wait. And it is a great example. Um, Stanton coming off an MVP year where he hit 50-whatever home runs in Miami gets traded to the Yankees with... Uh, Judge coming off 50 home runs in an MVP, and everybody was like, well, that's it. Uh, good night and good luck to the rest of Major League Baseball. How has that worked out? You know, And the Yankees have realized, uh, especially this offseason, give us Garrett Cole, pay for a pitcher, because come playoffs, there's only so much one guy in your lineup can do. The Dodgers do have a stacked lineup. But their pitching and their manager situation still very suspect. This is my other problem with this whole Andre Iguodala thing. Like you have a Jesus, Nick. you have a blockbuster MLB trade involving a top five talent and David Price, two big star names, and it gets buried with this Andre Iguodala. Well, it news. wasn't buried like, this at is all. A top, dude, you were taking a nap. It wasn't buried when this broke. This was huge. Top trending Iguodala was well, what here, I was. But, he, but here's the thing. Feed. That that's not really uh that's that is more of a Twitter thing than anything. NBA Twitter exactly it, it, is 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 its own thing. The whole transaction process is so blown up in the NBA yeah. that the MLB news is it it just gets washed over. I feel like yeah. Uh, look, Woj bombs are a thing. NBA Twitter's there's a there's a hashtag NBA Twitter. Um, there, that is its own culture. And that is why in Twitter, it's going to be bigger news than in anything else. Twitter isn't real life though. Um, but, but also the NBA, the drama of the NBA, but also ha- has always garnered more worldwide attention because baseball's America's pastime. NBA is a world worldwide game. Again, uh, Mike Trout. And I know some people have said, uh, we have disparaged Kobe Bryant on this show. <laughs> Some fucking cheddar dicks uh, out there because of the the way we handled Kobe Bryant. The 25-minute honoring of Kobe Bryant on our show apparently was not enough for some people. But my point is this. Mike Trout is a thousand times better at baseball than Kobe Bryant was at basketball. If he died tomorrow, it wouldn't fucking be a blip on the radar as compared to Kobe Bryant. The NBA is a world game, and social media is a, is a way for the entire world to talk simultaneously. So, yeah, NBA 
dead, deadline trades that include a former six man are going to make more noise than one of the top three players in baseball getting traded. And that's just that's just Twitter. That's just Twitter. Also, you know, go on Instagram. The Bachelor is f- f- going to have more things on Instagram than fucking Mookie Betts getting traded either. I mean, Nick, Singer last night, I was another say, great episode. I was like, Nick should know this. He watches The Masked Singer. Who was unveiled last night, by the way? So last night. Jesus, guys, we got so much to cover. The Llama had the least amount of votes unmasked. Andy, you remember who it was you want to say? Yeah, because you had it on while I was trying to do work. Drew Carey. Wow, Drew Carey. Yeah. Okay. He can sing, by the way. Very surprising. What was voice. his first song? What was his song, Week One? Because that's the only one I week watched. Week One. Uh, what did he say? He sang Kiss from a Rose, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I forget what he sang last night. You remember, Andy? You remember I, what he sang last night? You know what? I don't really care. We have a lot of sports to talk. I want to get to dirtball calls. I do not want to cover the mass singer. See, we- is, is Drew Carey being voted off the mass singer in Week Two? Too. The biggest uh, Cleveland disappointment since LeBron left town. <laughs> too soon. Uh, bigger news. Bigger news on Twitter. Drew Carey being unmasked on the mass Singer or Francisco Lindor eventually getting traded from Cleveland. That I mean, that's talk, talk about Twitter perspective right there. You can't look at Twitter perspective. Right. I do want to talk about my guy. Pete Rose, though, for a minute. Yeah, we got a lot of red stuff coming up here. Maybe. Maybe. You, <laughs> I just, you know, I don't think the Dirtballs care about the Reds as much, and that's fine that that's my team. But I do want to discuss this Pete Rose situation. He has asked, he sent a 20-page letter written by him and his lawyers, let's just basically say his lawyers, to, to ask. Hold on. No, guys, we'll discuss it in a minute. Let me fucking get through this. I mean, is it a bomb? No, it's not a bomb. It's not a bomb. Let me get let me get through this fucking Pete Rose story. Jesus, guys. You you the minute a story breaks, we don't have to say, "Oh, we have to talk about it right now." I mean, unless it's a bomb. You're going to recap a through a Pete Rose story that's been around for 30 years. No, I'm getting through. I'm getting through this. So Pete Rose wants to be reinstated. And his reasoning in a petition that he sent to the commissioner's office basically argues that his infractions compared to what the Houston Astros did aren't as bad and that those guys weren't handed any penalty, the players. And then he's banned for life and those guys got nothing. I 100% agree. You and Tug said this. I said this on Twitter I think most of America would agree it's egregious at this point that Pete Rose is still banned from baseball. Yeah, I mean, look, Pete Rose loves to inject himself whenever it's absolutely possible for Pete Rose to inject himself into any baseball story. And look, at this point, I'm fine with it. Pete Rose has deserved to be in the Hall of Fame for a long time. Uh, He got punished a long time ago. Uh, If, you know, we, we always talk about um. Oh, like why can't Mike Vick come back and everybody be cool with Mike? Why it's fine. He murdered a couple dogs. He did his time and he's back. Uh, the idea that Pete Rose is, has to be a lifetime suspension for gambling on the Reds and gambling on other baseball teams is ludicrous. But at the same time, I know the outcome of this. 
first of all, I don't need the Astros scandal to remind me that Pete Rose's gambling isn't near st- steroids. Uh, the whole thing, like, yeah, there's a there's a million things uh, that are worse than what Pete Rose has done uh, in baseball. Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose deserves to be back in baseball. Let's be honest. It's just so he can get in the Hall of Fame. No one's hiring Pete Rose to manage their baseball team. No one's hiring Pete Rose as a GM. No one's hiring Pete Rose as a fucking, you know, spring training consultant. No one wants Pete Rose around their baseball team because Pete Rose is a fucking lunatic. It's literally just allowing Pete Rose to be in the Hall of Fame. And guess what? Uh, You can allow Pete Rose to be in the Hall of Fame and put on his plaque that he wasn't allowed in the Hall of Fame for 30 years because he was caught gambling. But but again, baseball— who gives a shit? Baseball has embraced gambling. They now work with— But this is neither here nor there because here's the thing, Andy. Baseball, football, basketball, all these asshole commissioners— if if they all share one thing in common, it's they refuse to admit that they're wrong but, ever. But again, we, we live in a time, let's look at current world, right? Like, especially America, the politics, the, the socio-political stuff that we have going on. We live in a time where we're removing statues, we're taking away history. Let's look at this history. Again, things have evolved. Actually, reversely, where what he did was maybe considered a big deal, and he's gambled. Like, gambling is so mainstream now. It's. I'll be curious how Rob Manfred responds to this, because everything he's presenting is what everyone actually said when the discipline actions, or, or when, when everything was handed down, right? When all that stuff was handed down, Joe... Everybody instantly brought up Pete Rose. So then he just acted on it with his lawyers. So the argument is, how can ba- like how can baseball in any shape or form respond to this and say, you're still banned? I know they will, by the way, but this is different. Well, again, look at look at look at across sports. Look at football, man. We're now we can now fucking review pass interferences and the refs go, we saw it. It was a pass interference, and fuck you, we're not changing it. People refuse to admit that they're wrong. Baseball, if you look at the commissioners and the 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 progression of commissioners over the years, it's one fucking dickhead handing the reins to another fucking dickhead, handing the reins to another fucking dickhead. It's the it's they're they're the Pope. It's just assholes handing it over to some other fucking asshole, handing it over to some fucking other asshole. It. They refuse to admit they're wrong. Everybody's protecting some other asshole's legacy. Rob Manfred is a piece of shit. Bud Selig is a piece of shit. Paul fucking Giamatti's dad's a piece of shit. They're all fucking pieces of shit. They're they're assholes, and they've always been assholes, and they'll and they'll continue to be assholes. Somebody one day is going to step in and say he's done his fucking time. He has the most hits ever. Let him be in the fucking Hall of Fame. But I have a feeling. It's not going to be fucking Rob Manfred because nothing about Rob Manfred's uh, commissioner's career yet shows me that he gives a shit what people think of what he's doing because he banned the fucking Astros manager for one fucking season and didn't punish anybody for anything. Steroids, guys. I mean, Bud Selig propped up steroids. I just don't get it. I mean, I mean, it, what, you don't get old white assholes refusing to admit they're wrong. But it's just yeah. it's so ridiculous to think that a team blatantly cheated, possibly or not possibly the Red Sox, two teams 
could have cheated their way to two straight World Series far worse than a guy betting on his own team. It was never, ever proven once that Pete Rose bet against the Reds when he managed But also Pete Rose lied, and then Pete Rose admitted that he lied, and then Pete Rose blah, 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 blah. And the bottom line is they made a decision, they handed it down, and and no one's... Rob Manfred is too big of a pussy to change somebody else's ruling. Bottom line, he's too big of a fucking pussy. What's well, just sad though? Yeah, it's just it's 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 sad, and it's going to be, in my opinion, in a way more sad if they because I think this is what baseball is going to do. They're going to wait till Pete Rose dies just to be assholes. I think uh, I I have hope that somebody steps in before that. I have hope. Well, he's going to have to respond. Baseball will have to respond. They'll respond in a fucking letter that gets fucking leaked on the internet that says, you're still fucking banned. By the way, the big Woj, the big Woj bomb that I think Nick wanted to drop was that Cleveland... Nick, get over there. What are you doing? He's put. Yes, walk right in front of the camera, Nick. While you get deodorant? Bro, what is going on with him today? Let, let the man live. He showered. Then open the window. You can open the window. All right, Get, hit me. Hit me with the two Woj bombs just that you were that you were tromping to. I look every eight months. Andy has to flip out about Pete Rose, and he, this was his this was his eight month fucking anniversary. This was his Pete Rose flip out moment. He, I could tell that that's as angry as Andy has been in a while that you were trying to interrupt his his <laughs> eight-month Pete Rose flip-out. Well, this isn't a Woj bomb, but you can let Give him hear Give me the two bombs. Like, because I'll say, I said, is it a bomb? And you said, a bomb. So I want to hear it. Well, there's there's two trades that happened in the time, and this is why I got I want, the I can't wait I'm to see which. Right okay, lead with the bigger one. The bigger one? Do you want the bigger name or the bigger I want, team? I want the bigger, in your opinion, the bigger bomb. I think the bigger bomb here has to do with Cleveland and they just uh they're finalizing a trade Drew with Carey with has Detroit. Yeah. This is funny because we Drew were Carey and the Llama to the Pistons. Andre Drummond. Wow. To Cleveland? To Cleveland. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's not a bomb because that does nothing. Well I mean it does something for Detroit, I think. You got Cleveland with a lot of assets. Who knows who's going here? Is it a first round pick? Cleveland's last in the East. So right wait, now. give me the whole trade. Well, it, it, it's not out yet. It's just okay. being finalized. So Andre Drummond to Cleveland. Correct. For unknown. For unknown right now. But Andre Drummond, big name. But de- so Detroit is. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a this is like a Rust Belt uh, card trade. This is like being kids and trading baseball cards. Like I think he thinks this is a bomb because Andre he, Drummond's moving, and he's from Michigan. Nick is okay. Additionally. Okay, this the is Clippers. The, the second bomb. Oh, okay. Now we got see this just should have been your lead bomb. Well, I wanted to lead with the with the juicy stuff. Um the Clippers Dude, the juicy stuff was Andre Drummond for who knows what. Hey, I actually Cleveland. I've actually photographed Andre Drummond before. I'm really close to the guy. I have a selfie with him, him holding up. Okay, his, now here we go. His ice. Just give um, me the Clippers trade. Marcus Morris for Mo Harkless and other pieces. Wow. To the Clippers. The Lakers wanted him, so I mean, this is the Clippers. And, and that trade is also the details to be TBD? Let me, uh, let me do a deep dive. Mo Harkless, huh? I think that says a lot about the Clippers, though. That They're definitely worried about the Lakers. 
as they should be. Well, yeah, and I think the Clippers, uh, the Clippers, um, are just trying to be deeper, and the, the you know the the Clippers strategy has to be play defense. They've got Beverly, they've got Kawhi, they've got Paul George, they add Morris. The you know the strategy has to be for the Clippers if the Lakers are going to fucking let LeBron uh, run their offense, leading the league in assists, getting guys open on on the wing, uh, shooting a lot of threes, AD in the middle. They don't have an answer for AD. That that was the that was the question mark that I said uh, when I went to the Clippers game is uh, Clippers super deep, but still no fucking big man. So I think that series comes down to what is AD able to do? It Can AD be the best player, the single best player in a Clippers-Lakers series? If he can, I like the Lakers. But what the Clippers seem to be doing is like, okay, we're we not going to have an answer for AD, but we are going to have an answer for all that perimeter shit. And... Again, Jerry West is undefeated. So, by the way, Andre Drummond, you got to feel for this guy. You go from Detroit to Cleveland. Is yeah. that is that just considered a lateral life move? Like Detroit's on the come up? I don't know. Like, I've been hearing, like, I, I, <laughs> dude. I've been hearing Detroit's on the come up for ten years. Now. One people, block of Detroit is on the come up. They I mean, have all of their teams in one area. That area is nice. You step two feet out of that area. It's it's but not I feel like here's the thing with the here's the thing on a city comparison basis. I feel like Detroit is tanking. You know what I mean? And they've been tanking for years. As a city. Yeah. So you don't want to be again, you don't want to be caught in that middle ground. Cleveland forever has been the 12 seed in a conference. They just, they're just, they just seem happy with just being fucking, they're like, we got the fucking, we got the fucking rock and roll hall of fame. And it's like, guys do something. Bone thugs in harmony. Cleveland just like refuses. Cleveland's one of those places where they like swear it's a good city. And they're just going to ride that. It's like, guys, (laughs) you're fucking Cleveland. Cleveland's a punchline. Cleveland's, Cleveland has always been like the go-to city name to grab if you're like send them to fucking Cleveland. But also Detroit. It's like, it's hold like, on, hold on. But also like Detroit. I've never been to Siberia, but like Cleveland is the U.S.'s Siberia because you're like fuck. See, I think that's debatable. I I, I think whereas I feel like Detroit. No, I, Detroit I, is. I think they're they're used synonymously as. Like the butt of the joke in America, you like if you're gonna do a big city, you say Cleveland or Detroit. That's why even in that Cleveland tourism mock video, and they did two of them. Yeah, you know how it ends. At least we're not Detroit. But I, I again, I think Detroit is tanking, which gives them a, a chance to bottom out and fucking come up. Like first, you have to admit your shit to improve. Yeah, it's just like we're good, dog. And it's like you guys suck. Okay, I, I might agree with you that there, there's more pride in the city of Cleveland, but I have seen a lot, at least on social media, with Detroit. I've never spent of people saying, "Hey, man, we're on the come up." I've never spent a significant amount of time in Detroit, but I, there are people whose opinions I respect that, like, at least Detroit has culture. At least Detroit has like architecture. At least Detroit has like industry. At least like, and whereas like Cleveland's just like, 
dude, we got the fucking, we got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Drew Carey's from here. He's the llama, dude. And you're like, these are not, like, your third thing on your selling point is your, Drew Carey's from here? LeBron. LeBron left, dog. Charlie Sheen. Is from Cleveland? No, he played a character. Yeah. He played I mean, on the Indians. About? This, is like, <laughs> this is like Rocky in Philadelphia. Okay. I, I, I think Detroit, more upside, brighter future than Cleveland. I mean, it's pretty bad when your best sports team is the Pistons. Yeah, sports-wise, it's a nightmare. That's it. Both, both, both cities, sports-wise, are a nightmare. Uh, you know, Cleveland's got that edge. They, they, Cleveland has the edge. The, the Cavs, obviously under LeBron, were good. They've had recent success for the Indians. Who wins the title first, Detroit or Cleveland? Cleveland. Cleveland. I'm going Detroit. I'm with. Go- with who? I don't know. I'll take the unknown. Again, I'll take fucking, I'll take the Tigers before, you know. Before the, the Indians? The, before the, first of all, the Indians are going this way. And before the Cavs figure it out again, before the Browns figure it out again. Lions or Browns then? Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not betting on either of them, but I'll take the Lions over the Browns. Wow. Even though I was on the Browns hard last year, you got like, they had their chance. And they, they, like, they couldn't even get the ball rolling. I'd rather be super bad than medium bad. Well, speaking of, of bad franchises, what's going on with the Mets? Are they not Mets selling? Are a nightmare. My look. Let me talk about my New York sports situation. Super fucking nightmare. The Knicks have the Knicks have fired their president. Saw it. They have hired. I don't know if you saw. This was the Twitter bomb. I thought Nick was giving me. The Knicks have hired Leon Rose, who is an agent from CAA, to be their new president of basketball operations uh james dolan's still the fucking owner there the mets we finally looked like we had light at the end of the tunnel the Wilpons were selling and there was this weird there was this weird clause that everybody was talking about as part of this sale that the Wilpons still wanted to control the team for five years even though they were selling it which i always thought was ludicrous and dumb and why would Steve Cohen spend 2.3 billion dollars to buy a team and not be able to get control of it so then the rumors the reports are that he wanted to sort of speed that up he wanted an opening day gala to uh, celebrate the change in ownership that he was trying to in a way with his money and his power force that five-year window to shorten and at least uh, for him to be clearly recognized as the owner in, in a more immediate time, whereas the Wilpons, fucking asshole, scumbag, piece of shits that they are, worst people on fucking planet Earth, were trying to do the opposite and wanted to, and, and were trying to then take it and extend it the other way and say we want even more than five years of control. And so, and so Steve Cohen, fucking smart businessman and also just human being with a fucking nutsack full of testicles was like suck my dick i'll take my 2.3 billion dollars and go buy some other fucking baseball team you fucking clowns and uh so now my fucking sports hell continues and uh the Wilpons seem to be owners of the mets for the foreseeable future and talk about fucking baseball commissioners and being total fucking clowns the dodgers have fully turned around 
since the commissioner of baseball forced McCourt to sell the Dodgers. McCourt has done nothing on the level of shamefulness that the Wilpons have done in New York with the fucking Madoff scandal, with having a team in the number one fucking market and running them like they're the fucking Cleveland Indians. The idea that McCourt was forced to sell the Dodgers, but the Wilpons continue to be not only protected, but propped up by the commissioner's office is offensive. And it's why, look, We've, we've called for a lot of things on this show, and a lot of people go, oh, you know, you don't wish to. I hope fucking Rob Manfred gets into a car accident. I hope he does. He's a piece of shit, and the fucking history of commissioners are pieces of shit. Well, I, don't, if, I don't wish that. And if Pete Rose wants me to help fucking cut his brake lines, I'm in. I, I, I'm not putting that, that little juju in the air. Well, good. You're glad you're fucking happy that the Reds are able to act like a real baseball team. They don't have some fucking monster running them that Rob Manfred's fucking jerking off in, you know, New York City restaurant bathrooms. Lots of mental images there. It sucks for you. It's horrific. The Knicks are a debacle. They're in a goddamn tailspin for going on 20-plus years. The Mets have a... The Mets have a great roster. The Mets are built to win. Yeah, so what are you stressing about? Because the, the, the difference between being built to win is like there's always going to be, first of all, the NL East is stacked. You're going to need to be pull the trigger on some fucking big deals. There are guys out there. The Dodgers have acquired Mookie Betts. Nolan Arenado's in Colorado going, I want to be traded. The Mets don't have a third baseman, and they're like, we're good. We're, we're, it's, it'll, it'll be fine. The fucking Cubs are actively shopping. Chris Bryant, the Mets are like, we're good. Jed Lowry's probably coming back. We'll figure it out. And they're in the number one fucking market in baseball in the world. Well, I saw someone on YouTube say we need a Prano rant. I mean, I think there's been a few today. Hopefully... That has met the requirement of a rant. Uh, I'd like to get through some things, get some calls. Ten months, or sorry, ten weeks, Andy, in this. I will gladly add this one to another ten weeks if it meant that the Mets would change ownership in those ten weeks. Two non-functioning legs. If if it meant the Mets would get fucking new owners, I would ha- I would go no weight-bearing on two- on another leg for ten more weeks. Wow. If it meant in that two and a half months, the Mets would have a new owner. Well, at least you're not a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. God, I wish I was. Well, you'd be watching the games in England. I I don't understand what's going on. The Jags now will play back-to-back home games in London. I know what's going on. You ever been to Jacksonville? But here's what's crazy. If you read the article, because this came out this week... If you actually read the article, they're saying they'll make more money. In London? Yeah. Of course they will. So they make more money in London. Than you're, they- telling, you're telling me there's more money floating around London, the, the, the former capital of the world, than there is in Jacksonville, Florida? Get out of town. 
It it just it just stinks though. Like just move the team. Move them to London. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just move them already. They're but here's the thing. They're never going to do that, which is why this is like even worse. Because you, it's, you know what this they're, is? They're, they're like using London as their pawn, but like Jacksonville's not leaving Jacksonville. And if they are, they'd go somewhere else. They're not going to London. It's so fucking stupid. But you know what this is? This is this is like you have a side piece. Okay, you're married with kids. And you have your side piece. And usually your side piece is dirty Florida trash. They're doing the reverse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They have dirty Florida trash as their wife and their side piece is some fucking lovely British chick. Yeah, some posh British girl. Yeah. I love how this article says it's an attempt to increase their local revenue. Like, in what world are you going to a different continent to increase local revenue? But that's yeah. the point. The point is that they'll make more money if they have the games in London. So, basically, you got your wife at home who is white trash. Yeah. The wife's with two kids in the trailer park. You're leaving your wife every few weeks to go have some tea, have some bangers and mash with some hot girl in London. But then you always go back to the white trash girl. Rank your living situations here. You, I, gun to your head today. There's a moving truck outside. They've put all of your shit in it. They're saying, Andy Ruther, we are moving all of your shit today. Your destinations are Detroit, Cleveland, or Jacksonville, Florida. Where are you going? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. For, for the weather. Just for the weather? For the weather. Just for the weather. At least I got an ocean. I mean, I didn't hesitate on that. But here's the thing about Florida, though, too. Florida. Some guy's eating your face two days after you arrive because he's high on bath salts. I was going to say, Florida, though, I like people watching. I mean, come on. I mean, Florida is. Florida is an entire state of Savage Town, basically. That's what I'm saying. You moved from a building to a state. Florida. I mean, there's a reason there's a Florida man. Yeah. Florida's crazy town. Yeah. I've never been to Jacksonville. I have. It's not nice. But again, Joe, you're waking up in nice weather. Yeah. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm certainly not going to Cleveland. I can tell you that. That's last on my list. Uh, I haven't spent enough time in Detroit. A lot of people I who I trust, I think, would tell me Detroit. Might still be Jacksonville. But again, the weather's nice, but Florida gets hot as fuck, too. It does. It's not always nice in Florida. And it's not Southern California. And mosquitoes. Yeah. And alligators. I think I think I would probably go Jacksonville because the proximity to other nice places as opposed to like... I couldn't even tell you. In this state, how far is Jacksonville? Jacksonville's like North Florida. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's nowhere near... No. Nice places. <laughs> so Jacksonville is close to Georgia. Yes. There's some nice beaches in Georgia. Right. You get to the Carolinas pretty easy from North Florida. You know? Yeah. Where are you going from Detroit? Toronto? Windsor, Canada? Yeah. Th that was always a thing, right? Windsor, Canada? Okay. Windsor? More like loser, Canada. Am I right? <laughs> you want to get to some dirtball calls? I've been, I've been chomping at the Ch bit. 
Andy, no, I'm going to force you to do it before we get to Dirtball Calls. Let's talk about your Reds, dog. You've had it on the rundown. Oh, I forgot. For fucking three weeks. Yeah, the Reds have signed, uh, I don't even, even know how to pronounce his last name, Nicholas Castellanos? Works, works for me. Right? Reds? Wow, that was, dude, I've had this on the rundown. I just, you know, I, I try not to force my own hometown shit on people. Uh, yeah, so the the Reds, I'm excited about the Reds this year. If you look at their potential lineup, I think they're going to be pretty stacked. They, we, we talked about the Dodgers lineup. The Reds have a very good lineup. It's not Dodgers potent, but it's going to be good. They have a nice rotation. I think the Reds, on paper, they should compete for that division. The the Reds, I mean, they're, they're certainly a little bit ahead of, but I, I feel like they're the last year's Padres. I had people had high hopes for the Padres. I don't think anybody thought they were going to compete, especially in a division with the Dodgers. But uh, you know, certainly in the in the Central, uh, it's it's up for grabs a little bit. It is. Um, I think the Cubs aren't what they've been. They're declining. Uh, the Brewers obviously have. Uh, you know, uh, they, they were they back to back playoff appearances. Um, they've got a good solid team, but they don't seem to be making a ton of moves. Um, the pirates are, you know, tanking basically, and they're, they're in rebuild mode. Um, so you gotta, you gotta like the reds. I, I saw a, a tweet recently that said, here are basically the 12 teams that will be competing for playoff spots in the NL East. And it included the reds. And I gotta say, I didn't disagree with that in the NL. In the NL, yeah. Well, if you look at the over-under, they still have the Cubs listed at 88.5 wins for over-under. The Reds are 82.5. And second in the division behind the the Cubs? Milwaukee's 82.5. Wow. St. Louis is also 88.5. St. Louis is 88. St. Louis and Chicago are 88. Yeah. Yeah, Look, and, you know, you got to, the Cardinals just consistently staying good. I think I think you're gonna you're gonna have to worry about the Cardinals more than you're gonna have to worry about a lot of other teams. Yeah, and that's gotta drive you crazy, right? Isn't that like that's the big rival, or is it bigger rival Cubs or big Cardinals for the Reds? Yeah, it's a good question. Now those teams are obviously big rivals, the yes. Cubs and yes. Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, growing up, I well, the the Cardinals have dominated the Reds so much. I always hated the Cardinals more. The Cubs were always kind of like the Ah, oh, they're the Cubs, Chicago, Wrigley, fun. I mean, who is the Reds' biggest rival? It's a good question. It's probably one of those two. But it's not I, the Pirates. No. Because the Pirates have just always pretty much been bad. But you know what's up? Growing up, because they but were— But last year, the Pirates and Reds had beef. Oh, yeah. They're kind of your biggest current, like, beef for yeah. sure. Growing up, it was always the Dodgers, dude. Right, because you were the NL West. Yeah. Yeah. And they used to always compete. Like, they're always good teams. I kind of miss that. I'd probably say the Cardinals. But, yeah, the Pirates beef with Amir Garrett. Now, Nick, are you a Tigers fan? Or you basically, you care not for baseball? I don't care much for baseball. I actually... Meanwhile, he's, like, angry that baseball wasn't bigger news. <laughs> you're, you're the epitome of why baseball is not bigger news. I'm... You're like, I don't really give a shit. Strangely enough... A Tampa Bay Rays fan. Why? Well, because in 
2008, <laughs> I had a fantasy baseball team, and I knew nothing about baseball, and I auto-drafted Evan Longoria, and I absolutely fell in love with Evan Longoria. And Who's the no longer on the race. Correct. <laughs> uh, I'm a Giants fan now. Um, and I just got behind that World Series team in 2008, and when they lost, it was the first time I cried in sports. What? I know, right? So I got emotionally attached to a team for no reason that's, whatsoever. That's a, uh, that's a remember we what was the original thing we did like dirty sports drunken history or whatever like that's we have to we have to do a flashback uh, content about Nick's 2008 Tampa Bay Rays love. But like that's the thing is like I had never really experienced. He auto drafted Evan sports. Longoria. And then th- th- four months later is crying over their World Series. And, like, loss. that didn't even affect my fantasy baseball lineup whatsoever. I barely even checked that thing. But Evan Longoria's on my team. I got all behind it. I was, like, all for, like, the whole David Price, Carlos Pena, Jason Bartlett, Carl Crawford team. Dude, I, 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 at one point I can name every person in that, in that lineup. <sighs> but, but, yeah, like, that was the first really big loss I had as a sports fan because I grew up a Steelers fan, and that was, like, the only team I really cared about, and they never lost, so... Race. Um, yeah, you said one. that was the first time that you cried over sports. Have you cried over sports since? Um, I'd say the closest time was uh, the loss to the Packers in the Super Bowl, but I mean, it didn't really compare to the Rays. I'm about to cry over what he has cried over. That's the state of mind. I'm just saying, right I, I, I was a young kid too. 2008. What, what, what does that make me? I was like 15, 14. Something? <laughs> I don't know. Emotions are high. But you wore a Pirates jersey when I did the pitch in Cincinnati against Barry the Bonds. Pirates. Barry Bonds jersey, yeah. So you don't like the Pirates, but you like the Steelers. I like the Pirates. I never really got behind the Pirates. I'm my my dad's a big Pirates fan, so one of the Pirates do good. I always like rooting for my dad. Shout out to Ron. Is your is your dad from Pittsburgh? My dad's from Western Pennsylvania, so I go there pretty much every year visit family. And that's kind of how I grew up watching football, learning sports. I mean, if there was an NBA team in Pittsburgh, I'd get all behind that. Um, but yeah, so Western it is weird that there's no NBA team. I mean, not real. It's not that weird, but like, I mean, it's they a love proven, their pit, they proven love their, sports market. They love their pit basketball. Yeah. One one thing I like about the Pittsburgh is that they're the black and yellow. That they're they're like this is our thing. Yeah, I like, I like I like it when there's cross sport across the board synergy. All, all three pro teams. Yeah, it's not really a black and yellow NBA team either, is there? No, that market's no. open. No. All right, well, I want to do get. I want to get to some move the ball. Jacksonville Jaguars there and turn them into a fucking basketball team. Love it. I want to get to dirt ball calls before dirt we. Ball. Before we do that, I want to remind every dirt balls to go to gtppicks.com. Stop paying your bookies and start using GTP picks a data-driven sports betting service that offers winning sporting bets advice for an affordable price. Follow their advice and win, guys. It's that simple. Right now, GTP Picks is offering a limited-time deal for all the dirt balls. For the rest of February, go to gtppicks.com, and their all-sports package is 25% off. Football season may have just ended, but with basketball, hockey, all in full sprint, full swing, there's not a better time to join the GTP Picks team. Simply visit gtppicks.com and use promo code DIRTY to unlock this 
limited time offer. If you like making money while watching sports, investing with GTP picks is a no-brainer. Once again, guys, 25% off their all-sports package, and they will DM you. They will be in touch with you. They will help you along the way. So just use that promo code DIRTY at checkout to take advantage of that exclusive deal. Can I give a personal endorsement for GTP picks? Of course. Um, so with football being over, uh, I, I bet a little bit on the NBA regular season, but not a ton. Um, I bet I bet on the NBA regular season more for fun than anything. It's, uh, a, it's a light sprinkling. Everybody knows that I do heavy NBA playoff betting. Um, and when we get to the NBA playoffs, we can go through Joe Prano's NBA playoffs playoff betting manifesto once again but i have been using gtp picks just in the last week since uh the nfl ended because it's a prime time for me as a gambler because football's over uh football the nfl which i care a lot about and i was betting uh a lot on the nfl and was using gtp picks to help but there was a lot of my personal opinions and personal bias involved in that I have since the NBA, uh, the NFL stopped uh, after the Super Bowl, been betting heavy on college basketball, which I admittedly know nothing about because I go to GTP Picks. I look at their you know suggestions, their the things that they're high on, and I'm just betting on it because I know nothing. So I'm keeping my personal bias out of it, and I'm stockpiling money because they're picking winners, and I'm I'm basically just going like. This is a great reason for me to watch the Seton Hall game suddenly. I got nothing better to do. You guys like Seton Hall? I'm in on Seton Hall. Now I have a reason to watch college basketball. It's been fantastic. I'm making money, and I'm caring about college basketball when I didn't otherwise. Right. I'm learning nothing about college basketball still, but it's fun watching the scoreboard. Again, that's gtppicks.com, promo code DIRTY. Okay, let's get to some calls. We've been sitting on some calls. Let's try to get to about two or three today. Okay. We'll start off with, uh, with this one. What's up, Dirty Sports? Matt Evangelista calling you from Richmond. Uh, just calling in about some Rookie of the Year odds for the NBA because I was curious to check up since Zion made his debut. Uh, right now, John Morant's still the really heavy favorite. I think he's minus 700 in the latest odds I saw on ESPN. And Zion right now is plus 800 to win Rookie of the Year. And just calling you guys to think, you know, is there any chance for Zion to win or because he missed like a third of the season and Jaws been playing so well because he have it locked up already. Um, just want to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks and take care. Um, there's always a chance because obviously John Morant himself, uh, something could always happen to John Morant. They could, he get hurt. They could shut him down. Um, because they're they're I mean, they're sort of in the mix right now. So I don't think that they're shutting him down anytime soon, but, uh, the value at eight to one doesn't seem high enough for me, especially when you're when John Morant's a leader at minus seven hundred. Well, I think he's just asking who he thinks will be the rookie. Of the well, year. it's a hundred percent going to be John Morant, and and the the gambling odds reflect that yeah. minus seven hundred for Ja and plus eight hundred for uh, Zion. But I think, but what if the Pelicans go on a crazy run? Uh, I just think you know playing the whole season matters, and here's the thing. It's going to take the, the a combination of things. It's going to take either, you know, them shutting down Ja or him getting hurt, him missing some games while Memphis starts to go down and uh, New Orleans starts to go up. 
and you've got to consider if New Orleans isn't in it, the fact that they shut down Zion again and just go, hey, you got some NBA experience. We don't want to push it too hard. You're coming off an injury. We're not going to make the playoffs. Now, these are all things that could happen. But again, I would like uh, the value of putting a couple bucks on Zion at 1300 plus 1300 plus 1500 but at plus 800 right now uh it doesn't seem to me to be worth doing and i think like the the odds reflect it's ja morant's uh trophy to lose for sure because he's been playing fucking awesome yeah and again they're god i want ja, i wanted ja morant so bad they're in the mix memphis fun team to jump on board of early if you're like if you're if you're out there in NBA, you know, fandom, like, no man's land. F- funny story. I actually have them as my fantasy team, and when Memphis loses in the playoffs, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down to go to, like, a Memphis-Grizzlies game. By the way, uh, something that came up, and I meant to discuss it with you before, but I think I'll well, – let's just discuss it with you on air since we're talking about potentially traveling for some sports. Vegas – NFL draft, April. Let's go. Will you be walking though, man? I'll I- be walking. Hopefully. Well, Who cares? Vegas is the perfect place to have a fucking hover around. We got. If we go to, if we do Vegas, we got to get you a wheelchair. I, fuck a wheelchair, electric fucking scooter in Vegas. It's a good point. For sure, I'm down. Vegas NFL draft dirtball meetup, possibly. I'm down. Let me get to this next call, which I actually was really contemplating last night. Uh, I think you're going to like it. I was kind of talking through it with Nick. Old in Cincinnati. Uh, got a question for you guys. So now that the Chiefs, now that that Chiefs offense has, uh, has an AFC championship appearance and then a Super Bowl win back-to-back years, and Mahomes only in his second year, when do uh, are we? Can we compare? I, I mean, I think it's fair to compare this team to the greatest show on turf. That Rams team, I think, might be better just because of you know how much better Mahomes is than Kurt Warner. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Better to both. Okay, so I, I, I want to take the lead on this because I got to witness a lot of the greatest show on turf firsthand. You, before you take the lead, can you just can you maybe clarify the question for me? I think he wants to debate this current Chiefs offense versus the versus the Rams. Okay. And my argument would be this. That Rams team made it to two Super Bowls. They won one. They have a lot of success. Dude, if you looked at that Rams team, it's pretty tough to beat them. Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer, two-time MVP. Marshall Falk, Hall of Famer, MVP. Isaac Bruce, just got in the Hall of Fame. Third time all-time in yards. Torrey Holt, going to get in the Hall of Fame. So so if you look, four guys on that roster were Hall of Famers. Now, if you look at the current Chiefs, Mahomes, obviously at this rate, Hall of Famer. Travis Kelsey, Hall of Famer. After that, I mean, Tyreek Hill would really have to have a great career. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, this Chiefs team is so explosive, but as far as, like, per player-wise... Uh, well, here's what I'll say. First of all, let's start with the name. Greatest show on turf. Okay. 
um, the Chiefs aren't playing on turf. They're not playing inside. Think about that. Think about that Chiefs team. Eight to ten games a year in a dome. Okay, fair enough. Okay, um, and not just a dome, like old school turf playing on blacktop. Okay, but here's the other thing, and there might be some Kurt Warner stands out there that take offense to this, but the greatest show on turf was as good as they were because of the weapons surrounding Kurt Warner. You can say Kurt Warner's in the Hall of Fame. You can say Kurt Warner got to a Super Bowl with the Arizona Cardinals. But Kurt Warner has a NFL career and is certainly in the Hall of Fame because they had this offense with Hall of Fame weapons, including at the time uh, an all-purpose back that was doing it in a way no one had done it before in Marshall Falk. They were throwing to him out of the backfield. Like, you know, he's probably the—I know he set records for receiving for for a running back. They were using him in the slot. It was was the birth of this next level of offense where this guy's doing everything. Torrey Holt, like you said, Falk, uh, Isaac Bruce. Weapons abound with Kurt Warner. And then plugging Kurt Warner in. Obviously, they found him, you know, yeah, the Trent Green, they, they put Kurt Warner in and, you know, the quick release and all that. But Kurt Warner is in, a hall of, is in the Hall of Fame and had an NFL career because he was plugged into the greatest show on turf. I will flip that with this Chiefs team. The Chiefs' weapons are weapons because of Patrick Mahomes. Fair enough. I'm not going to disagree with that assessment. I, I will. Travis Kelsey is good. And Travis Kelsey has been a productive tight end in the NFL with Alex Smith and whatever. But again, is Tyreek Hill running 60 yards downfield? Is he is he regularly catching 60-yard bombs on a line if he's got Kurt Warner? Is he doing this with any other quarterback? Sammy Watkins, what was he with other quarterbacks? What is uh, What are some of these guys if they are not with Patrick Mahomes? No, I agree with you. I, I also think... I. I do think, I know what you're saying about Kurt Warner. I also would have to say he did make two Super Bowls. I'm sorry, with two different teams, he made a Super Bowl. Uh, also, you know, two MVPs. I get it. No one's Patrick Mahomes is going to have two MVPs no, in not that long. I'm not saying Kurt Warner's better than Patrick Mahomes by any means. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, because he's not. But what I'm saying, of course not. But what I'm saying is, Kurt Warner had talent around him he also made it work again you're right Marshall Falk at the time was revolutionary he was basically 20 years ahead of how running backs are now yes what he did for the game uh but you're right it's basically reverse he had all the weapons around him where Patrick Mahomes makes like again you know Nicole Cardman what's his name Nicole uh Cole Hardman Nicole Hardman like throw him on a different team He's a, he's a rookie, but yeah, absolutely. There, but and they've they've built this thing of like we're gonna have speedsters and guys that can beat people because Patrick Mahomes' arm is like almost unparalleled in in the history of the game. And again, you know, people love to use the term system quarterback as a diss. It's the highest compliment. You're gonna you're, you you know your coaching staff and your personnel determine a system. 
and your ability to play within that system and have success is your job. Yeah. That's your job. And props to Kurt Warner for doing it to the level of MVP, Super Bowl winner, two Super Bowl – well, so wait. He made three Super three, Bowls. Three Super Bowls because one win and one loss with the Rams. Yeah. And one loss with the Cardinals. Cardinals. So props to Kurt Warner for doing it. The the Cardinals Super Bowl appearance for sure is what – Put him in the Hall of Fame. Yes. The fact that he was able to do it with another team. But, again, I think Kurt Warner fits perfectly into that system, uh, a, a system that was in place. Patrick Mahomes is the system. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes takes Andy Reid's system with Alex Smith and Donovan McNabb and all of these people that, you know – were successful over the years and turns it into an MVP, two AFC championship appearances, and a Super Bowl win in two seasons. Uh, an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP in his first two years. Yeah. You know, uh, again, it's longevity and uh, GOAT and all that stuff is important for a Hall of Fame career. Um, but you've got to say, if you were going to look at a guy and say goat potential based on his first two seasons, Patrick, like sure he's, he's on like, if you were going to, he's trending. If you're going to be the goat, this is how you start. Yeah. He's trending that way for sure. Do we have time for one more call? I think we have time for multiple more calls. Okay. What do we got? Where are well, you going? Well, you know, I, I don't like to do the longest episodes. I like to save a little. How long have we been going here? 140. I mean, and this we, call, this we call coming in under two hours. I'm saying two more calls. We're not. If we do this next call, it's going to be a discussion. It's okay. not going to be because I'm fascinated by this. Nick and I were actually looking at this last night. Have you heard anything about this Wilt Chamberlain conspiracy? Yeah, I mean, it's been talked about for 30 years. Oh, it has. Been a fu- Are you kidding me? I'd never it's heard like, this. It's like an SNL sketch. Okay, I ne- 70s. I think fucking, you know. Do you know where I'm going with this? I'm not talking about the women part. I don't know where you're going with it, but I, oh. but I know, I mean, uh, the 10,000 people, the 10,000 sexual partners think that's, I have that up there, but that's not the actual, well, give me the call then. He's, he's wrong. All right, let's do it. What's happening, fellas? It's a Melly. And, uh, you know what time it is, baby. Conspiracy theory. I, so there's been some, uh, talks brewing on, uh, the timeline on Twitter that, Wilt Chamberlain did not score 100 points, and he is a big, fat, stinking liar about that. You know, uh, and I kind of wonder myself, you know, why is there so much footage of Wilt Chamberlain playing, but, you know, when he got to around 70 or 80, you know, I mean, what, there's there's nobody there uh, in the arena with... You know, some kind of a camera with the, with the no TV crew or anything like that. I understand it was in 1962 or something like that, but fuck, dude. They got goddamn Jim Bob Fisher or whatever the fuck in 1920 dribbling a ball. They got George Mikan doing fucking layups, you know. There's, there's just no footage of that whatsoever. Also, what adds to my point, this motherfucker said he fucked 20,000 girls. Can you imagine someone trying to tell you to your face with a straight face, I fucked 20,000 girls. You're going to be like, yeah, okay, you fucking big, fat, stinking liar. You know, they had a dirtball one time that said uh, he had sex with 33 ladies. I'm not going to say his name. Two trays. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, I'm starting to believe that. 
And, uh, you know, the Super Bowl's ending, you know, basketball season is All upon right. us and everything like that. Just thought I'd give you guys something to work with. Tell me what you guys think. And uh, also, shout out to Prano for uh, not eating pasta, eating pizza. Should have went with some gabagoon as well for the Super Bowl. But, hey, man, it's all good. Love you, bro. Hope the knee gets better. Stay dirty, fellas. All right, A. Millie. Thank you. Let's, let's, let's try to work on that whole minute thing. You, you can get it out quicker. I have faith in you, A. Millie. Stay strong. Okay. So this is the conspiracy that he didn't have a hundred points, which is kind of a fascinating conspiracy. So, so we're saying we don't have video footage of that full game. Do you know why there's no video footage of that full game? Why? It was played. It was you know it's a Knicks Sixers game. Okay. Or Knicks were they the Sixers then? Philadelphia. Let's let's look it up. Philadelphia Warriors okay. versus the New York Knicks played. In Hershey, Pennsylvania. What part of the state is that? It- Middle of fucking nowhere. It's, it's it's there's there's so nothing there that they can put up a fucking chocolate factory. So I we- actually saw Pearl Jam at Hershey Park in Pennsylvania. It was a fucking dope show. So we don't have any footage of Wilt. You know, there's still no video cameras in Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> like Hershey, Pennsylvania. Like, dude, they're making it's a chocolate factory. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, this is interesting, though. Yeah. So we don't know. There's no video of the fizzy lifting drinks either, or the fucking. So we don't know if Will Chamberlain actually scored 100 points. No, but like, you know, the I guess the question here with the conspiracy is like, why? (laughs) What's the end game of this conspiracy? I know the end game of of Will Chamberlain claiming he had sex with 20,000 women or whatever. Right. He's trying to make himself seem like some sort of pimp, which, by the way, we have the math or I have the math. Yeah. If if Will Chamberlain did have sex with twenty thousand women, and I th- I thought I always thought the claim was ten thousand. I looked it up; it's twenty. He claims twenty. Yeah. Okay. Either way, it's bullshit. E- yeah. Either way, I could be right or wrong, but regardless, that means from ages fifteen to fifty-five, he would have to average five hundred women a year for f- this is to get to twenty thousand for forty years. Which is the equivalent of having sex? Did he die at fifty-five? No, you're just saying. This is just, dude. I looked this up. You're giving his prime. This is his prime. Age fifteen to fifty-five to have sex with twenty thousand women. He would have to have sex with five hundred women a year for forty years, or one point four women a day. Yeah, it didn't happen. (laughs) You think? Yeah, I mean that's but but that's you know again it's like. it's like every like if you've had sex with sixty girls, you're like, oh, I don't know, a hundred. You know what I mean? He probably had sex with two thousand women, and he made it twenty thousand. I don't think he had any kids, did he? I'm sure he had some kids. That's the most miraculous thing. There's just no way that you're seven feet tall and you have a pullout game where you've sex with two thousand women and not get anybody pregnant. Had no kids. So you've cut hold on Nick, you, look this up. He has zero children. Yeah, see if Will Chamberlain has kids. This is fascinating to me. You've taken his twenty thousand number and you've, you've made it two thousand. You've cut it by ninety percent. Yeah. You're saying Will was just full of it. I think it's two thousand. Um so here's there's a Wikipedia 
on his 100-point game? Yeah, did you read it? No, I didn't look at it. The game was not televised, and no video footage of the game has been recovered. There what? Are, there are only audio recordings of the game's fourth quarter. The NBA was not yet recognized as being a major sports league and struggled Whoa, to compete bro. against college basketball. The attendance at this game was around half of capacity, and no members of the New York press were at the game. Bro, I'm on board. I'm, I'm on Will Chamberlain conspiracy. So there's no video footage. Right. There's no New York media. Right. Again, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Now, does he decide to have this huge game, which may or not have been a 100-point game in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and then make the claim? But again, Will Chamberlain, disliked by many people. Not a lot of people like big Will Chamberlain fans. But what is the end game for the Knicks or the other guys on the team to like bat like why is no one on the Knicks going like, nah, that didn't fucking happen, dog? You didn't score a hundred. Well, I guess my question would be this. Also, it was a hundred the game was hundred and sixty nine to hundred and forty something in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Did they even actually keep score? This is what I'm saying. I feel like it's the playground. You're like, yo, what's the score, dude? Oh, we got one twenty. It just seems like a real fucking uh exhibition game. Seems like just like a bullshit game, like yeah, he scored 100, but, like, it didn't fucking matter. Yeah. I'm going with scored 100 or close. You know, I could totally see him getting 98 and being like, well, we're going to call it 100. Uh, I'm going to say he scored 100 or close nowhere near 20,000 women. He's not in fucking – he's not in five digits. You don't even want to give him 5,000. No, I don't want to give him 5,000. Five – It's that's a lot. I just think his number just gets – I just think he got to a number that was so large that he just it just got blown out of proportion. Somebody said they probably you know he probably goes oh, it was ten, then they made it twenty. No, I'm going under five thousand. Okay, let me follow up with this: Who's had sex with more women, Dennis Rodman or Wilt Chamberlain? Seems like Wilt Chamberlain like made like this was like important to him. You know how like you have a checklist like I have my my. Dry race board. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I feel like he woke up. Most people wake up. They get their coffee. Wilt was like, I'm waking up and I'm having sex with a woman. But again, the other thing is like he never like he didn't have a girlfriend ever like or he was like like there was there was never a couple months or a couple, you know, a couple weeks even where he's just like banging the same girl. Now, he had sex 10,000 times. Or he had sex with 10,000 women. That's a wildly different claim. It's women. Now, what do we have here? What, what do we have as far as kids? No kids. 20,000. It says 20,000 women. No kids. Horseshit. Now, now, now you're saying 2,000's in the ballpark here. Joe's, Joe's saying 2,000. So the guy just missed a zero. Okay? Maybe the guy scored 10 points, missed a zero, <laughs> called it 100. <laughs> He's just bad at math. I, How old was he when he died? Uh, it was in 1999. He was what, like 70, 75? What's his Wikipedia say? How old was he? I want to say he was like 75 or 76. Something like that. I'm still on the uh, still on the hundred point game. So you, th but there's legs to this conspiracy. I would argue. I think there's legs to this conspiracy that he did not score a hundred points. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. We'll, we should do a deep dive. This should be on the content calendar. He was only sixty-three. Sixty-three. This should be on the content calendar. Just a dirty for dirty about the hundred-point game. 
Let's pull some. Let's pull some quotes. I think there's YouTube videos out there. We should watch. Chamberlain those. thanked his teammates. It wouldn't have even been close to possible without them. They wanted me to get it as much as I did. They had to do more than just give up open shots. They had to avoid fouls and pass me the ball in traffic. Knicks player Richie Guerin felt the Warriors broke a code of honor in sports by embarrassing an opponent and setting a record outside the normal flow of the game. Although effusive in his praise of Chamberlain, Guerin nonetheless estimated that if the game had played out normally, Chamberlain would have finished with 15 to 20 points shy of 100. Chamberlain Chamberlain countered he could have scored 140 if the Knicks had played straight-up basketball. Knicks coach Eddie Donovan, the game was a farce. They would foul us, and we would foul them. The Knicks uh, stated the game was not a fluke. I thought it was absolutely authentic. Uh... But I guess my question also, I've seen old footage of Wilt Chamberlain. It's literally a, like a seven-foot black man dunking on it's dominant guys that are me and Nick's size. So so my point is, like, like when we look at the history of a 100-point game, bro, you're a foot taller, a foot and a half taller than all these little white guys. They just throw the ball down to you and you dunk. Or I don't even think they could dunk back then. You lay it in the hoop. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like... This isn't Kobe Bryant's 81-point game. He finished the season with a 50 points per game average. So he was regularly scoring. Interestingly, Stangus says there's a guy who claims to be Wilt's kid. Yeah, I'm sure there's a couple people who claim to be Wilt's kid. There's 0% chance that you have sex with two to 5,000 women and don't knock up one single person. Just not Either that or he's just... You know, not like he just didn't. Ha- he's just shooting blanks. Because to me, that would be the most impressive stat. Throw away the hundred point game, dude. If you had sex with two thousand or more women and you did not get a single one pregnant, I mean, he's shooting blanks then, right? Yeah. He also claims he could bench press five hundred pounds. Can we just like Will Chamberlain <laughs> is just a, full of shit. He's a goddamn everything. Dirty liar. The guy yeah. has kids. He didn't score hundred points. He sure as hell didn't bench five hundred pounds. Like. Anything this guy says. He's a pathological liar. Yeah. Yeah. Is his name really Wilt Chamberlain? I don't think so. That's what I'm saying. We got to look this up. But there's, it seems to be, so it, it, the, the conspiracy theory about the thing kind of has legs, but also it does explain why it happened when it happened. It almost seems like the fact that this game is being played in Hershey, there's no press there and there's no video of the game. It's like a tall tale. Is a great opportunity for him to play some despicable uh, game of basketball where they do everything just to get him these 100 points. And if there were video footage of it, it would be like, look at what they were doing. This is horrible. So it's almost like he took advantage of a game where they didn't have cameras to go, this is the game where I'm going to be a gigantic piece of shit. I just love that the famous photo, we've all seen it, written in, like, marker of him holding up, yeah, basically a tissue yeah. that says 100. That's our evidence? Will Chamberlain wrote, or somebody wrote on up. But there are, there are there again, there's opponents here who are saying it was a farce, and it was pathetic, and it was gross, and whatever, but it did happen. All right, well, I think I need to listen to the full radio review of that. I mean, they were like holding up this. Yeah. John Kerr of the Syracuse Nationals marveled. How about this? He's the world's worst free throw shooter, and he's 28 out of 32. Ooh, more legs than conspiracy. 
Koozie figured the game must have just gotten out of control, just as when Koozie had 29 assists when the Celtics averaged, when the Celtics scored 173 points against Minneapolis. So this is a time in the NBA where, like, on any given night, shit is just fucking wild. Yeah. Like I always say, I, you know, records, records before, like, 1970, eh, not a fan. All right, those are the calls today. 310-359-8365. Sorry if we didn't get to your call. I know some people left some other calls. We'll try to get to those next week. Guys, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. We're pumping out a lot of great new content thanks to my buddy Nick over here. And also subscribe to us on YouTube. We have a new facts only dropping on Friday featuring Timmer, Tim Duncan. I'm very excited about that. I'll explain how great a player Tim Duncan was. That will drop tomorrow. We have a new Andy Goes to Costco dropping Sunday. Wow. Nick, tell the listeners you have a great motto for the show and the YouTube channel. Man, it's just all about getting off that couch right there. Expanding beyond the couch. So check that stuff out. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Andy Ruther. Joe Prano. At Joe Prano on Instagram, at Joe Prano on Venmo, <laughs> at Fix Your Life on Twitter, uh, JoePrano.com for shows. Uh, if you go to my uh, Instagram bio, there's a link in there for uh, the Valentine's Day is for Suckers album, which officially gets released tomorrow, but is available for pre-order now or pre-download or pre-stream. It's also available on Pandora. And if you're a Sirius XM uh, subscriber or user, it is available to be listened to on Raw Dog and multiple uh, Sirius XM comedy channels. So do that. If you're in Colorado, I will be coming your way. My tickets are booked doing shows in Aspen for Aspen Laugh Fest the weekend of the 20th, 21st, and 22nd. A lot of great comics are a part of uh, Aspen Laugh Fest, including my goat, Norm MacDonald. Um, Then I will be in Boulder that Sunday for two shows, uh, the Boulder Comedy Show, and then a couple shows in Denver probably Monday, Tuesday, that following week. So if you're in Colorado, in basically any of those areas, go to JoePrano.com or slide into my DMs, and I'll let you know where to see me. And if uh, you're not in Colorado and are wondering if I'm coming to your neighborhood, go to JoePrano.com and check out my schedule. All right, Nick Dale. A lot of dirtballs been following me on Twitter. I appreciate that. I'm almost to 1,000 followers. I'd love to get to 1,000 followers at some point by the time I'm leaving Los Angeles. At Nick Dale on Twitter, but the L is a capital I, at Nick D-A-I-E on Twitter. All right, guys. It's almost at 1,000, or as Will Chamberlain would call it, 100,000. <laughs> all right, guys, that is the show. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for all the love on social media. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the XFL, and most importantly, stay dirty.